Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us for the weekly update here at JM in the AM. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. The rumor is that there are listeners of this segment up in Montreal, Canada. What do you have to say to that? Well, we should give them a shout-out because I was there Wednesday night in this amazing event launching their annual uh, campaign uh, together with my Bialik. And uh, it was remarkable that a number of the people there came up and said they listen every Friday and how much they enjoy the program. Uh, they listen on the Internet, and this is uh, you know, testimony to the international nature. Yeah. So we okay. have to do part of this in French. <laughs> <laughs> the, they, um, they know how supportive their government has been for Israel, right? Yeah, as you know, when you talk to them, you get actually they know more about what's going on in the United States than most American audiences do. Wow. And follow the issues very carefully. And, of course, the government of uh, Mr. Harper has been... Uh, super phenomenal, and, and, and announced, by the way, right away, that they would not remove their sanctions right. uh, because they understand who we're dealing with and that, that the only way to keep Iran's feet to the fire is to pressure them, keep the sanctions on, do all you can to uh, to assure at least minimum compliance. Uh, Malcolm, with the with what's happening recently, with the vote, etc., uh, it seems that the, it, it's sort of the battle of the full-page ads. What are your thoughts when... Members, when former members of Congress take out full-page ads, what are your thoughts when people who are now not involved anymore in the political process weigh in and make strong statements? In this case, the one I'm referring to uh, is one in support of the International Nuclear Weapons Agreement between the P5 plus 1 nations and Iran. Well, you raise a couple of important questions, and, and one is always the question of, of is it worth the expenditures? Do we just make newspapers rich or radio stations or others? Radio stations, I'm sure, are okay with you, but <laughs> newspapers may be a problem. And uh, and if you listen to what members of Congress have said, uh, that that it doesn't affect them uh, so much. The He said it is, they say it is the um, messages, the visits, the calls from constituents who identifying and that they can identify even more, uh, that has the greatest impact. But there is something about creating public opinion. Look at every poll. It shows that voters, this latest one, uh, voters in Florida, Ohio, and Pennsylvania oppose the Iran pact by more than two to one. That was a Quinnipiac um, uh, poll. But uh, in Florida, I think it was 61-25, in Ohio, 58-24. Pennsylvania 61-26. These are incredible numbers after all that has been invested in um, promoting the message or countering the message. And by two to one, in virtually every poll, there is the American people are opposed to it. The vast majority want their congressmen to vote against it. By 70-some percent, they, they do not trust Iran. Uh, that is a result in part of the educational effort. I mean, if you think about vital issues and few more important than this one uh where you haven't had this kind of of attention and and a lot of it frankly stimulated by the prime minister's own stance in his speech really raised the profile you can agree or disagree about it but you can't deny that he he has had an impact in in raising profile encouraging the debate the famous cartoon he held up at right. the uh, un mm-hmm. really was uh, i think the the uh, initiation of, of a lot of the debate 
And by the way, the Iranians never violated the limit that he set there on the number of kilograms that they could have. So your question is a valid one, and the you know the billboards, the the expressions, and then the counter and, and uh, supportive uh, ads done. I, I think some of them are very creative. You've seen the one by the war veterans, by and, and generals for generals against. The ad by that you mentioned by a group that I don't know called No Nukes for Iran. If there are no nukes for Iran, it was surprising the position. <laughs> Very good. You're right. I just see the website. You're right. Wow. Uh, but uh, the fact that all the all of them were Jewish also. I know. Uh, so I don't know whether that you know obviously it was deliberate because there are a lot of other uh, yeah. Jewish former. I forgot half of them were members of Congress, frankly. <laughs> uh, well, some of them were, were a while ago. Yeah. But it, it's happening all over that people are being enlisted. Um, people, Israeli officials, uh, military or, or security officials who were in the past uh, are being enlisted because if for the sides that that uh, want to advance that point of view. So, you know, I think it, it serves a purpose. You need to educate people. The issues are so technical, and you know, people generally glaze over. But now I see people, you know, ask questions. They ask about such specific details. You know about the about the number of centrifuges and things. Nobody knew what a centrifuge was, mm-hmm. and today people are aware of what each why each detail is significant. That each thing can contribute to some really serious changes or consequences. And there are some newspapers and other media outlets that are unabashedly for the deal editorially but are themselves printing articles about the future risks of this deal and what could happen. You know, ten fifteen years from now. And we should mention that many newspapers that traditionally don't take position have, or and many of them have taken position against or expressing their concerns. With you, you don't find people many who will say this is a good deal. Mm-hmm. Almost no one. I don't even think people in the administration, others that I've spoken to, I know express you know reservations about it. But their argument, the argument is there's no alternative. The alternative is war. The alternative is a uh, collapse of the system. Iran gets free to do what they want. But you don't hear people come and say, and certainly not foreign leaders, even European leaders, others, constantly say, look, we're really troubled by some of the things in the, in the deal, that, that they recognize the breakout period, the financial things, that even though they're getting in line now, mm-hmm. the Swiss are at, openly advocating for people to invest in Iran. You have delegations going all the time. From so many other countries as well. It's unbelievable. Many, and, and the European countries in the forefront. Be interesting to see how the Chinese crisis affects it because they were the major a major purchaser of energy from Iran, and now with their uh, yeah. the economic problems, it'll be interesting to see how that manifests itself. That's some coincidence, huh? Yeah, well, I guess so. Yeah, I guess. But, but but look at Russia's role. This is you know with all that Russia has going on, they they just. Uh, signed the deal to sell the S-300, which is the, an advanced version of it, which is a missile defense system. Yesterday, and this was on and off sale after the uh, sanctions went in place, but they went back on, and this is considered a very serious development because of the it gives Iran additional protection against a potential attack. Uh, yet they, they held it up again because they couldn't agree on the price. So the Iranians are... Desires and are trading and you know want to look at a better deal for it. Well, the Iranians want a better deal, and Russia knows that they're going to have a cash windfall soon. So, well, 
that's right. But but that is serious. But a hundred percent, yeah. Cash field, cash because you got Russian arms sales now. CC is there from Egypt. Uh, Abdullah II of Jordan, the Crown Prince of the United Arab Emirates, they're all there to buy to make purchases. Uh, uh, Iran. Uh, and Russia is said to be cooperating now on satellites and, and aircraft development production, um, maybe because of Russia's economic things. They, they believe Iran can be a source of uh, financial support for, for uh, some of this. And in the middle of all of it, Russia announces this new intermediate-range caliber. It's called missile, which can hit all of Europe. It can carry a nuclear or conventional warhead, the SSN-30A, and I say it because people will hear about this now. It can go by sea or by land, and there is a cruise missile version, which would be a violation of the 1987 Intermediate Range Agreement, uh, Nuclear Forces Agreement. But Russia is moving ahead. This has a 600, 900-mile uh, range, and you could see, easily see that this will be sold to the Iranians uh, at some point, some point soon. Yeah. So, you know, everything, the, the release of money, all of these things are going to have long-term impacts, and many of them negative. Malcolm Holmline with us. Let me just uh, interject for a second and remind our listeners we have a new feature that we have um, implemented, especially for those who may have missed the first few minutes of our weekly update because people are tuning in throughout the morning. Uh, now, almost immediately, uh, literally by the time or by Uden finishes, almost immediately uh, after the uh, weekly update is concluded, you can access the archive of this week's, today's, this weekly update by going to the weekly update section in the archive section of the NSN app. So keep that in mind. It's, again, the weekly update section of the archive section of the NSN app. Uh, all right, uh, not, not to dwell too much on this because, uh, well, for whatever reason, but let, let's just go through quickly some of the people who have recently made announcements. I mean, in, this audience has gone everywhere from disappointed to thinking it's disgraceful about the, uh, the, the uh, decision that's now official Last week at this time, you'll remember, was not official by Jerry Nadler, Congressman Nadler, about voting for the deal. He's somewhat shocked that the vitriol has been as uh, as acute as it has been. I don't know why he would have expected differently. Any reaction to his uh, um, to his direction on the vote of the Iran deal? Well, I think that people highlight what uh, what his decision was because he he represents the largest Jewish district uh, percentage wise in the country in terms of the total population as right. well. He, um, you know, he was he got a letter from the president, but it acknowledged that that the president hasn't spoken to him for the first what six years of the administration or, or more, um, and and I think because uh, you know as a Jewish member he's not the first Jewish member to come out in support of it, but coming from New York people saw this as a shift or as uh, would influence others, uh, and it was certainly highlighted in uh, in that way. As as uh, as a game changer in the in the tally, it, it, it wasn't necessarily a game changer. I don't think you know congressmen really looked to, to Nadler necessarily as a follow up, but it is a cover to say, look, if the guy yeah. represents the largest Jewish district, right. and that then becomes you know highlights the issue for for many people. He could have held off. Why didn't he do it later? Right. Many concerns about about it, and the question. Is on what basis was was the decision made, and that's true for everybody. Look, these are difficult things. Um, I asked him if he had read the UN resolution, and he told me that he hadn't. But you can't understand the bill and its implications if you don't understand what the UN resolution uh, says, because in it is, for instance, the waiver of the eight year and five years on the ballistic missile and conventional.
conventional weapons, which everybody touts, but there it says that once they're found to be in compliance, it gets waived. The other thing is that now, you know, many others have come out, and the, the debate has shifted to the issue of filibuster. Right. And the people, again, it, you know, I know these are all, eye, you know, things that people's eyes glaze over, but it's very important. The, the, there was an understanding, at least we thought that the, and we're told that there would not be a filibuster, which is in part true, <laughs> that there was an agreement when the legislation um the Corker uh, Cardin bill passed, but it it seems that it only applies to not blocking the debate, the discussion of the law. So the the deal will come up in in front of Congress. In other words, everyone agrees that we'll debate on it. That's right. right. But then they have a right to have a filibuster. Right. But to break a filibuster, you need sixty votes. Right. That's why they highlight every single vote in the Senate. Yeah. Um, to and in the House as well can do it. Right. Um, but and the House will be more difficult for them. But to get uh, and why uh, Mr. Reed, whom who some people were speculating would actually come out against the deal, came out for it. Um, and I know that many of the members have expressed privately views or expressed you know concerns about uh, about the deal, but but felt that they had to uh, to go to come out as they did. Uh, the idea of the filibuster, I think, will backfire because then the American people will say, look, you, it's only fair you had this vital issue. Let everybody have a voice. And, and It'll just add to the whole perception of nothing getting done in Washington. And that will add exactly to, to that and, I think, heighten the sense of tension. I think people have to be careful with the rhetoric. I don't think we should personalize or, or get into name-calling. I do think you can hold people to account on any mm-hmm. side of an issue. People feel very strongly, and rightly so. You had retired generals and admirals urging Congress to reject the deal, others who come out for the deal. So people have to really understand what's at stake. Look at the amazing articles, and I hope they read the dailyalert.org to get and go back over the week and see uh, some of the analyses. uh, uh, Do do we really prevent, for instance, a sneak out to a bomb? Not a breakout, you know, which takes six months or a year, they argue. But the question is, can they sneak out? To a bomb because of, of the difficulty to inspect sites, for instance, or the you know the 24 days or the accessibility to money, and it's not whether it's 50 billion or 100 billion. A small fraction of the 50 billion going to Hamas and Hezbollah can be a game changer. They don't need big money, but they want to get the guidance systems. They want, you notice that they are are trying to move uh, missiles, uh, anti-tank and other kind of missiles to Lebanon. Thank God Israel has been on top of it, but it's impossible on a day-to-day basis to, to know that you get everything. Um, and and now the Republicans announced that the day after the vote, the final vote on the deal, right. they're going to introduce new sanctions. And and uh, and there are ways to, that people say, if the bill passes as it is, that to keep the pressure on, they're <laughs> going to look for additional ways. Boy, when you talk about the day after, which you've been talking about for the last three months... This, well, there's going to be some important stuff going on the day after. Well, <laughs> that's right. But, but you know, some people ask me, well, why are you talking about the day after? I said, because you've got to think ahead. You've right. got to think of the ramifications. And we have to be on top of it that maybe even be able to introduce some of the things that can be done to, to strengthen it. It doesn't mean that you write it off. It doesn't mean that you, you, you're giving up, but not at all. Right. So people are fighting on this uh, bill, I think, very strongly. In the beginning of September, you'll see a lot of activity in Washington when the members 
come back. We're getting there. It's the end of August. We are getting really close. It's very close, and people should be reminded uh, reminded of it. But then you look at all these Middle East leaders going to Moscow, all the sales of nuclear reactors, of, of, um, of advanced weaponry. So we're already seeing the arms race that we predicted the day after. Right. It's right. happening. They're right. all preparing uh, for people, on the other hand, businessmen trying to prepare to do business and to think that this will uh, and somehow moderate when the foreign secretary of Great Britain was there this week, Hammond, you know, he came out and he said that, that the Rouhani is going to have a change in tone about Israel. And a minute later they came out and said, are you crazy? Yep. We'll go, it has to be annihilated. Yep. There's no change in tone. If only we'd listen to the enemy. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard and listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 in the FM dial, broadcasting live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey, around the world on the web. JMNAM.org. All right, let's do this quickly. Um, we, at least, you know, I, I don't have to include you because I don't want to put you in an uncomfortable position, but we at the program here have lauded Senator Schumer, uh, Congressman Engel, Congressman Lo- Congresswoman Lowy, Congressman Israel, uh, Democratic Representative Grace Meng of Queens, Kathleen Rice of Long Island, all have stated their opposition to the deal. We know about Jerry Nadler. We spoke to him. And, of course, we know about Senator Gillibrand, a disappointing endorsement of the deal are you shocked that carolyn maloney who before redistricting by the way was my congresswoman are you shocked that she's opposing the iran nuclear deal well i can't say i'm shocked because i've spoken to her and she is uh, we have talked about it um and we're still waiting to hear from uh, other members and i hope that people will let those who come out and and take a courageous stance. No. Oh yeah, she's got to be contacted for sure. I, I thought she'd take you know, the party line. Ready to criticize. Right. Very few people take the time. Right. To express appreciation. I, I just suspected it would be the party line with her, and I'm I'm. She really deserves praise for that. There's a fit. Thank for being the first one. Oh, she's amazing. She's amazing. We we knew that from the second we met her before she was even a member of Congress. Um, there was um, there's a Facebook rumor. I don't think there's been any substantiated real news source. Apologies, Facebook. <laughs> there's a Facebook rumor about Cory Booker likely to vote um, for the deal. Now, knowing the way you've approached this over the last month, I'm assuming you're not going to say a word until you find out what he really says. But any thoughts as these rumors swirl about Senator Booker? And don't you agree, by the way, that his vote will be significant? I think his vote is significant. New Jersey is uh, you know, seen as... Uh, a, a Jewish, uh, with a strong Jewish constituency, right. like uh, people from New York. And he's a darling of the Jewish right wing, you know, even though he's a Democrat, you know what I'm saying? Right. He was introduced to the community early on. They were big supporters of his. Right. And, uh, but I've seen, and literally every day I'll get in three or four times, it, it will shift. In the morning, they'll tell me he's coming out for it. <laughs> very close to him will call me and say, I just spoke to him. He's going to come out for it, and somebody else will call me and say, I just spoke to him. He's absolutely <laughs> going to be against it. And, and that literally goes on all day long. And, again, that's why uh, I, I shy away. People will think, uh, I don't want to do it. No, because no, I get that, yeah. speculate, right. and, and then people say, but you said he was going to right. come out one way or the other. We don't know. We don't know what influences in the president. For instance, yesterday called in Hakeem Jeffries of, of Brooklyn, who represents uh, Flatbush in it. Who's also been a really good friend in many ways. And has been a very good friend and, uh, and is truly conflicted about it and, and had meetings. Uh, uh, and I spoke to him as well during the week, uh, and he's reached out to people. 
Uh, yeah, talk about a congressman. Ta- I mean, he really put a lot of time, as did many others. Right. They, some people are taking Look, my own congresswoman, Nidia Velasco, she's taking the process very, very seriously. I mean, I, uh, but a call from the president and right, a hundred percent. Administration has, has you know, has a lot of weight. Has, has a, yeah, but they've really turned it all on, yeah. and they are they are reaching out on an individual basis to members, and uh, you know, when the White House calls, it's effective. Yeah, no question about it. All right, we always talk about symbolism. We know the UN meeting is coming up. Palestinians, according to the New York Times, want to raise their flag at the U.N. next month, a matter that could set off a diplomatic dispute in the General Assembly. Nearly 20 Arab countries submitted a one-page draft resolution to the General Assembly calling for organizations to non-member observer states. I don't know what the second one is. You probably do. To be granted the right to raise their flags at the gates of the U.N. headquarters. Um, you, you always talk about symbolism. Is this worth a battle? Are you uh, Are you on the front on this one? We have been, and we have, you know, we fought the non, uh, non-member voters, the non-voting member status, right. but they already have it. They were granted it. Right. That's what gives them access to the UN agencies, and we believe that, that they really don't qualify for it. Uh, but people, you know, they're being compared to the Vatican, right. et cetera, and saying, well, they should have the same status as that. I'm not sure they're going to fight the battle over the flag. They they have been going back and forth about it, and as you know. Uh, Abbas uh, announces resignation, which always is a joke because it right. usually means that he's staying longer. <laughs> uh, and and the announced that you know that they're building. I don't, they didn't announce it officially, but the media caught it. A thirteen million dollar presidential mansion. People are saying that they don't have food, they don't have the resources. They they're begging the international community. Gets a vast majority of of the finances are coming from foreign aid. Um, more per capita than any people on earth, and he's building a thirteen million dollar presidential mansion near Ramallah. Uh, and, the, uh, uh, th- and they said that they're self-financing it. And they said, "Well, who's paying for it?" They said, "Well, the Ministry of Finance." <laughs> Where do you think they get the, the money from? Yeah. And it adds to the sense of corruption in the country, which, which, uh, if you notice, Hamas is now talking that the West Bank is their next goal, and that they're you know, going to try to replicate what they've done in Gaza there something they've talked about, but when you hear Iran saying, we're going to provide weapons to everybody in the West Bank, we're going to um, escalate the situation there, well, you put that together and you begin to worry even more when you have a regime that is is, is so destabilized and you know he's already in, what, the seventh or eighth year of his four-year term. Uh, doesn't um, it, it is an additional concern that Israel has to take into account with the escalation in the north and in the south. Opening up a third front would be uh, of great concern. So, um, what what happens right now in the Palestinian Authority is something that everybody's going to watch carefully. What happens at the UN is more of a show. This it's symbolism, but symbolism counts. The new Saudi Arabian king comes to the U.S. next week. Significance of that visit? Well, he's going, they're going to talk about Iran, as you know. The Saudis, while they now come out with some sort of a statement accepting it. We know that they're not happy with the deal. They are very unhappy with the, with the deal, with anything that would seem to empower Iran, which is a major competition and which threatens to overthrow the Iranian government. They are fighting a war today in Yemen. That is a proxy war between Yemen and, and uh, Iran, uh, between the Saudi Arabia and Iran. Right. It's not so much proxy anymore. It's more direct and increasingly uh, uh, direct. The um, uh, so he he's coming here uh, 
they're going to be at the U.N. General Assembly, although it seems that some of the leaders who announced may not come. You know, the most recent is, are the rumors that Putin uh, will not come or will just come and give a speech that he was planning a meeting here and did not get the support that they he expected or the attendance. So there's a, a, a lot of speculation at the United Nations about what's really uh, what's, how many of the leaders are really going to show up for the session. But the Saudi king, it's, it's really his son who is, who is uh, extremely influential. The king was expected to be just a, a, an interim figure, but he has certainly put his mark in a much stronger way on Saudi Arabia than was anticipated. Hmm. So it sounds like, in a way, this might be an understated U.N. gathering compared to some of the past years where there's been a lot of action and a lot of headlines. Well, actually, it was going to be overstated because I think 170 world leaders were expected. And as you know, Netanyahu is planning to come. Right. But because of the Chagim, it's very difficult, so he'll come Cholomoid. Uh, he'll speak, uh, I think, that Wednesday at the United Nations. Um, uh, but it, it's not understated at all. And it, uh, there are a lot of issues that will start coming up, including the succession to Ban Ki-moon, who right. I think will, will end his term earlier in 2016. Uh, you saw some of the candidates for that? I have met with several of the candidates for that. can imagine. None have me clicking my heels in joy yet. Well, I don't know if he did either when you met him the first time, right? Or not necessarily? No, but he, he, he has, um, I think he has trended the wrong way of late. Right. Uh, in, right. In, he certainly was a friend of Israel, considered a friend of Israel when he came in. Yeah. Disappointing the during the war last summer, right? He was then and some of the statements since. Yeah. Look, he has to operate within a, a U.N. Yep. Uh, environment that is not friendly at all. <laughs> and the U.N. establishment, the internal figures, many of them are people. So he's gonna, he wants to run for president of South Korea, so that's mm. really his focus uh, uh, right now. But you see, you don't see... Well, why isn't there condemnation now when Hamas comes out, shows films, says they're rebuilding the tunnels that everybody agrees is illegal? Right. United Nations, nothing. The, the missiles across the border, no, no response. Sometimes the, the secretariat will issue a statement, but you don't see it. And people question why the criticism and why we, we, the skepticism about the United Nations. We don't dismiss it. I agree it's important because things can be done there that are very unhelpful. But just just look at the last weeks. What what the record uh, of what they've done and their what the role of their forces and and um, uh, and the statements that uh, uh, that are made. Yeah. There's some people who are saying that Donald Trump will solve all of this. Yeah, Donald Trump is saying it, too. In a widely watched terrorism lawsuit that drew the attention of the Obama administration, a federal judge in Manhattan ruled Monday that the PA would have to post $10 million and an additional $1 million monthly to appeal a huge damages award for its role in six terrorist attacks in Israel that had killed and injured Americans. You must be somewhat surprised at this decision. I'm not surprised by the court ruling. We've had a whole series of these court rulings, each one is an important victory as a statement against terrorism and that people will be held to, held to account and that those who aid and abet them, the, the ruling against the Arab Bank was very significant. Will they see this money? So that's the question now is, is do, do they somehow get protected? The administration uh, interceded to, to lower the bond that they had to put up. I think it's now $10 million. Many of the members of the families involved protested and said it's too little. Others you know, we're saying uh, they shouldn't have to be uh, hold the bond. Of course, they have to be 
held to account and, and a bond, and you know that you can't trust them and they're not going to pay it. So there are very few resources, uh, both in regard to Iran and in regard to the PA, that can be seized anymore. Most of the bank accounts, other things, have been uh, have been seized because of previous uh, rulings about their role in, in terrorism. But it reminds you of their uh, direct role, that it's not the terrorists. The terrorists can't operate in a vacuum. They can't operate if they don't have you know, states and, and uh, governments and officials uh, supporting, aiding, and abet them, yeah. even in, in terms of the money, whether it's paying pensions to martyrs, quote, martyrs, you know, those who, who terrorists who carry out these terrible attacks. And, um, and, and, and you see that this, how the focus then shifts each time to Israel. The fact that Egypt, uh, Lebanon, Jordan, and others are deporting Palestinians back to Syria, and uh, that about 70,000 Palestinians uh, are, uh, from Syria are living in neighboring countries. They're pushing back. They do it under the guise that, well, this will undermine the right of return demand that we make. When in fact, they don't want them destabilizing the societies, and it's an excuse to um, to shift them to shift them back. And at the same time, we sort of report that that 20 percent of the Palestinians support um, uh, Islamic Jihad, and that uh, and a thousand are believed to be preparing. To join them, a hundred went over, uh, according to a report, a seemingly reliable report. Uh, this is causing a lot of concern about what's happening within the Palestinian society. But, but you know that now they have an open door that people can can just go there, fight, get trained, be attracted by the uh, beheadings, which we saw again this week. Yeah. Horrific depictions, and it doesn't have any outrage anymore. Nobody reacts. Well, you warned that we'd become immune to it, and we did. Um, list of the, according to Jerusalem Post, list of the 13 top Jewish newsmakers of 5775 is out. So David Blatt made the list, by the way. I don't know if you know who he is. He's the coach of the Cleveland Cavaliers, but that's not, but that's not why I bring this up. Israel, <laughs> so, he's a big hero. I know, no, no question about it. I'm not even, I'm not kidding. It just, that's not really the point of me bringing it up. You know who uh, was on this list? And I just, I don't know, maybe I'm making too big of a deal of this. Maybe this is more for Shabbos table discussion when, when we're together. But Wendy Sherman's on the list. And I don't know, do you look at it as an irony that a member of the Jewish faith is chief U.S. negotiator in, negotiator in this nuclear deal with Iran? I think the Jewishness is completely coincidental, and especially in her case. I don't think it's, it's a relevant factor. Uh, I'm surprised that she would make the list, uh, even though she obviously was in the news a lot together with Secretary Kerry. Yeah, just top newsmakers, right? Right. And um, uh, uh, people discuss whether effectiveness or history, where she came from, how she got to the position that we, she, she was in, and she was the one who negotiated the Korea deal. Right. But you know what is, is remarkable, and I, I just mentioned this uh, last night, that Secretary <laughs> Kerry has disappeared from the debate. You don't see him anywhere. And you don't see Wendy Sherman hardly anywhere. Right. They were out there in Congress. They were doing other things. And now, at the height of this, Joe Biden is being trotted out a lot, you know, to speak about it. And he's going to Florida. Yeah, why wouldn't they use the two of them to really lobby for the deal, even in the media? I have no idea. It's so funny. Front page of the Jewish Week this week, an article about this potential uh, uh, reignition of the Israel-Hamas peace talks and Tony Blair being very involved. Do you think there's any future for this? Well, Tony Blair no longer has an official position. The Europeans got rid of him. He, he is he's somebody who has ties on both sides and is very has been fair, uh, close to a lot of people in Israel. Um, 
I think that the, the denials are right, that this is not about a long-term peace agreement or truce. Uh, Hamas leaders uh, denied it. Israeli officials have denied it. I do think that there are talks going on and that maybe for an interim period, because they're, they are afraid of, of IS as well, the Islamic State operations in, uh, in Gaza. They are worried about Islamic Jihad and that Iran is going to fund Islamic Jihad against them or over them. Um, and they have suffered the uh, losses and, and the ability to rehabilitate after the war has been shockingly uh, minimal, not because Israel hasn't allowed the goods in, not because they didn't get a lot of money from abroad, but because it's all corruption and the money goes into building new tunnels. They put out a film this week of of the new tunnels and, and supposedly showing how they've rehabilitated the tunnels that Israel uh, destroyed. That is not somebody who's negotiating no long-term <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Maybe one day the world will realize that, although it seems that, that the worldview is very cloudy when it comes to this issue. Uh, Malcolm uh, might uh, be uh, traveling next week and unable to join us. Anything you want to add, Mr. Holmline, before we wrap things up this week? Well, uh, I, I will be uh, traveling abroad, but I'm, as always, I try to work it out. Yeah, we're going to try to do it. We'll let everyone know. Right. right. Uh, and uh, I hope I will see a lot of people in Russia. Shana with Cliff Lake. Those who I, missed it will, will make up for it. Uh, I'll do it. Now, one second, one second. Where, where are you, Russia, Shana? With Cliff Lake. Woodcliffe Lake, New Jersey? Pardon me? Woodcliffe Lake, New Jersey? You're that close by and yet so exotic. How do you like that? It's a great resort, and, uh, and Rabbi Moshe Fuchs and his crew do an amazing job there. So, And now how many times, it's a two-day unt of this year, how many times over Rosh Hashanah are they going to make you speak, Malcolm? Fourteen. Nah, come on. <laughs> three, four solid lectures? Uh, two or three, because they have other speakers, uh, very effective. Come on, who wants to go to the other speakers? No, no, not me, no. you that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you'll... It's you'll... only a two-day yontif, it's not a three-day yontif right. this time, so we're more restricted. All right, and, you know, davening takes a little longer and stuff like that. But I have a feeling after every meal, people will have an opportunity to speak to you, whether it's in a formal lecture or just the general Q&A that people walk if over. They to... don't have the opportunity, they make the opportunity. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I really appreciate it. I think people's concerns... And when people are concerned on a substantive level, and they really want to talk about it seriously, and even let me know their points of view, which I, I always welcome hearing, um, if it's done right, um, it, people have to stay concerned. This issue isn't going to die with the vote, and and that is why I, I talked about the day after that. If people think we're coming to a cliff, we're going to fall off of it, and that's the end of it. It's not. It's we're going to be involved in this fight against Iran. For many years to come, we have to stay on top of it, whatever the outcome. And God willing, we still can can see a positive outcome out of all this, that we will have to stay on our government and on the foreign governments and on the demands and highlighting what they're doing. Because you know that Iran is not going to rest. Uh, they're not resting now. They're moving ahead on, on every front. And they will do even more. And there are things that can be done. Yeah, they're going to stay a step ahead. Everybody else has to stay at least a step ahead. That's right. And, and to understand what they're doing and the the um, uh, and highlighting the violation of human rights, what they're doing to to, to Christians, to Baha'is, to everybody in the country, what they're doing outside the country, and believe me, we're going to see uh, a, a, an influx of money because they will have now this this uh, windfall over a year, or a year and a half, two years, whatever it will be. But it doesn't matter because they can; they're already starting. 
see new monies going to, to Hezbollah, according to reports, that they are very much involved in the attacks from the Golan, mm. directly linked to, to Iran. And if they're doing that now, how much more so once they have a deal and think that, that this is locked up? Yeah, that's true. Uh, Tom Chay Shabbos of Pelham Parkway. My crack research team found the information, Malcolm. <laughs> presents Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur at the four-star Woodcliffe Lake. By the way, you know, no joking around. You're going to be in the lineup, and you know who else is there? Rabbi Tzvi Flaum, very impressive. Dr. Eddie Reichman, very impressive. And Betty Ehrenberg, very impressive. you got, you got to be on your toes, Mr. Honeline. I'll be listening. That's all. He'll be enjoying their lectures. Uh, it happens starting Sunday night, September the 13th, for Rosh Hashanah at the four-star Woodcliffe Lake Hilton Hotel and Spa. If you want to join Malcolm Honeline and bug him during Rosh Hashanah the way I bug him every Friday, you can call 1-800-522-1850, one 800 Five two two eighteen fifty, and there you have it. So next week we'll let everyone know what the story is, and uh, obviously we'll Emir Tzishem speak before Yontif. Thanks so much for joining us, and have a wonderful Shabbos. Good Shabbos. There he is, Malcolm Holmline, Executive Vice Chairman, Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, here on a Friday morning.